Father, we thank you uh, for tonight. We thank you for the words that we've been singing. Uh, we thank you that you are real and you are at work uh, here tonight. Lord, just as we come to hear um, something different than normal, would you help us to rejoice in our hearts as we hear what is said? Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to be changed? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, usually at CE, at this stage, we have someone come up to the front and, and share um, from a Bible passage, but every so often um, in the course of the year, we do something different. I, I tell my story night. So usually we get some of you up to the front and we hear your story, um, what Jesus has been doing in your life, how he has saved you and what he's been doing. And tonight's kind of different. We've got someone, someone else, someone with a story that's no harm to you, completely different than most of yours, um, a story that's um, not often heard at CE, and it's spectacular, and it's super, so at this stage, we just ask you to listen carefully, um, ask God that he will um, allow you to be changed by what you hear tonight. Um, I'm going to invite Rebecca up. Would you give her a round of applause as we welcome Rebecca to the front? Yeah, they're, they're lower than you think. Um, Rebecca, I know you well. These people most likely don't. Um, tell us just a bit about yourself. Who are you? What age are you? What are you doing with yourself? Okay. Um, I'm Rebecca Finley. I'm 23. Yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> I'm a wee bit nervous how to think about that. Um, I live in, I'm originally from Macrofelt, which is really far away, and I live in Rathkill now, and I am... I just finished Queen's. I did theology for three years, which is how I know Scott. And I am now a women's worker in Westkirk Presbyterian, which is on the Shankill Road. And I also have a four-year-old boy called Reuben. Spectacular. I think that's it. That's great. Um, just a few quickfire questions. What's your favorite film? Oh. Quickfire. Uh, Tangled. Oh, that's so Tangled. Not <laughs> Tangle's pretty good. What's your favorite thing to binge on Netflix at the minute? Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls, spectacular. Love the Gilmore Girls. Dog or cat? Dog. Good. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Correct. Uh, starter or dessert? Dessert. Also Horse correct. What starter. is the worst dessert? The worst? Yeah, what's the worst dessert? There's no such thing. Yes, there is. It's called trifle. Um, <laughs> trifle is an abomination. No, trifle's good. No, it's not. It is. No. Uh, from Satan himself. Trifle is something you grow to love. Trifle's good. Okay, I disagree. Uh, McDonald's, Burger King? McDonald's. Ruben's four. If you could pick an age that he could stay at forever, zero, one, two, three, or four, what would it be? 18. 18. <laughs> when you're no longer responsible. <laughs> um, okay, and here's the big one. Would you rather only drink water for the rest of your life or you can drink whatever you want but it has to have a tiny drop of pee in it <laughs> think carefully oh uh, like <laughs> i'm so torn can't live without coffee but i need i don't want to drink coffee with pee in it give me an answer i would i Water. Water? Uh, I just want to. I want to get a general consensus. Uh, hands up if you drink water. Hands up for pee. Yeah, I totally take the I pee. I think a lot of us would drink the pee. A tiny bit of pee never hurt you anybody. Just don't want to admit it. Probably. I can't. I can't back that up with facts. 
Um, all right, your life um, is an embarrassing story. We're going to hear some <laughs> of that later. I can say that I'm a friend. Um, give us, give us, uh, give us a time when you're completely scoundered. Give us a juicy, embarrassing story. Um, <laughs> genuinely struggle to choose because there's so many. An appropriate um, one at that. We'll go for a post-salvation story. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, uh, so I, Ruben is four, but hasn't really got the toileting thing down yet um, and never really has from the, <laughs> the minute we began training him. Um, so one day I was picking him up from crash, like childcare, and I thought, I'm going to take, I'm not going to take the pram today. I'm going to teach him how to walk long distances. It wasn't even long distance. But anyway, I picked him up and we were walking and he was gurning already. He was like, my legs are sore. So I was carrying him and we were walking through Queens. You know the big, beautiful, like the main part of Queens? What's that called? The Lanyon Building. That's it's a really old looking building. Yeah. If you've ever been there. So I sat him down just to give myself a break and got a whiff of something that I just knew. <laughs> I just knew what it was going to be. And I like looked down at myself and I had poo. The whole way, like down the side of my jumper, and Ruby was just standing there with it, like dripping down his legs. But that wasn't the embarrassing part. Like that was fine. It's just marking his territory. <laughs> like, that was fine. But then we ran into the the only toilets around were in like the beautiful Lanyon part, really, you know, like classy. So we ran in. And I like whipped off my jumper and was like washing it in the tap because this has happened before. And then he's like standing there naked. I'm standing there half naked. I'm like toilet roll everywhere covered in, covered in poo. And he's still going on the toilet. <laughs> and I was like wiping it. And then I hadn't realized that I forgot to lock the door of the disabled toilet. So it flings open and this man in like a really nice suit, obviously he worked for Queen's, was like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> and then I like turn around in my bra with like this jumper covered in poo, me like scrubbing it, toilet roll everywhere, my naked son on the toilet. <laughs> and I was like, everything's fine. <laughs> and he was like, they just closed the door again and then I had to phone a friend to drive us home and I had to sit in his car in my bra with my wet jumper and a naked ribbon I did tell you her story is nothing like any of yours right <laughs> spectacular <laughs> I don't know how we go from there um, <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. tell us tell us a bit about life growing up tell us about your family like where you lived school you went to how you find church if that was a thing um, yeah, I grew up in, Mac well, Castle Dawson is near Macrofelt, and my, what was the question? Uh, life growing up, family, okay, where you live. Yeah, I had a mom and a dad, and a sister and a brother. It's <laughs> not your French oral. Chez <laughs> <laughs> en frère. <laughs> a, no, never mind. But we did, they did, they, my parents weren't Christian, but I think at some point they had a faith, but they sent us to church purely for childcare. So we were at everything. And it was an independent Methodist church, not slagging or anything, but it sucked. <laughs> and, um, I, had, I had a really warped view of who God was and what Christianity was, probably because 
in my wee brain, all I heard was hellfire and brimstone, and I thought God just judged everyone. And my parents, because they went to church and did all the things, but didn't actually live the faith out at home, I just had no time for it at all. So didn't want anything to do with it. Although when I went to secondary school, because of all that, I was a part of the Christian group. So, yeah. Or were you part of the Christian group the whole way through secondary school, or? Oh, heck no. Um, (laughs) Tell us about that. So, yeah, was part of the Christian group, but I was very obviously not a Christian. I mean, I said the prayer when I was like four, but five, five, don't know. But um, definitely wasn't a Christian, but they were, and we were known as the Christian group. But apart from the label, it was nothing else. They just talked about everyone, gossiped, would slag me off when I did things, and um, God was never talked about. It was just, they just went to the events, and people knew them as the Christian group, but there was nothing Christian about them. And I remember um, coming back from a camp, and I'd been left out the whole time, and the, the other Christian girls just made my life miserable, so I decided from that point, I didn't want anything to do with God. If that's who God was and that's what Christianity was all about, then I didn't want anything to do with it. And I decided to go find myself some new friends. And tell us about that journey of finding new friends, of how that, I don't know what that sentence was. If I find <laughs> new friends and what became of that? Um, well, I thought <laughs> if I don't want anything to do with the Christians, I'm going to go for the atheists. And they were genuinely the nicest people I'd ever met, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd think they knew the joy of the Lord, but they didn't. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, if they are so opposite to the Christians, then I don't know what's going on. But they were, they were wild. And some people would say, oh, I got involved in the wrong group. But I went looking for the wrong group. <laughs> I basically became the ringleader. Like, it wasn't their <laughs> fault. It was my fault. Um, so, yeah, at school, I just didn't take anything very seriously. And I just lived for the weekends and a lot of alcohol and a lot of sex and a lot of all of that stuff. So you wouldn't be here on a Saturday night? Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds so disgusting. <laughs> um, so it came to leaving school and you, ha- you had plans, right? Yes. What were those plans? then what happened? Uh, <laughs> um, I was Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I was planning to take a gap year. I had it all figured out. I was going to India to volunteer and I was going to do, I was going to teach language. And then for the year after that, I had a place at uni in England to study primary teaching. So I had it all figured out. Like I was nailing life. And then I found out I was pregnant. Tell us about that. Um, well, <laughs> it took a while for me to figure it out. How long? Six months. Six months? <laughs> it's not that funny. All right, so, <laughs> yeah, tell us that story. Um, well, there was loads of reasons I didn't know. <laughs> we will not go into those reasons. Yes, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so a month before I was due to leave for India... I woke up in the middle of the night and <laughs> I had serious like stomach pains and I thought context I was a big girl like much bigger than I am now so I just there was nothing showing you know and 
I woke up with stomach pains and I was convinced I was dying. So I went into my mom and I was like, I'm dying. We need to do something because I never really got sick. And she took me to the out-of-hours doctor and she, she was feeling my stomach. It's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time at all. She was feeling my stomach and she was like, is there any chance you could be pregnant? And I was like, no, my mom's sitting right there. Like, of course not. But genuinely hadn't even... I had broke up with my boyfriend six months prior to this, so there actually wasn't in my head. Mm. And then she said, okay, you go do a wee urine sample and we'll check for infection. She was not checking for infection. <laughs> I just came back into the room and she's so, like, as chilled as anything, just said, well, this says you're pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> no, it doesn't. You check again. And she was like, no, you're pregnant. So then my mom just said, well, how far on do you think? And the doctor said, oh, I think maybe three months. And I was like sitting counting in my head. And I was like, six months? It's probably six months. <laughs> and then, then my mom just stormed out of the room and I ran after her with my tail between my legs. And we were sitting in the car on the way home and it just felt like life was over. And she was, she just imagine though she was like I thought you were a virgin and I was like I am <laughs> she was like Rebecca seriously it just in like one visit to the doctors it was like my mom could see the like the depths of my dark soul <laughs> she knew everything oh dear it wasn't funny at the time though I'm sure it wasn't it's really funny now though um <laughs> So you're, you're six months in, uh, you're going to be a mom in, in three months' time. What's, what's going through your head? I stayed in my onesie and watched a lot of Gilmore Girl for three, a full three months. I didn't really go out anywhere because I, I just didn't really cope with it at all. Um, my dad, well, my parents were absolutely livid. My dad didn't speak to me for the full three months. Um, my mom was just very disappointed and I felt like I'd let them down and let myself down and um, already let my baby down and they were saying things like if we'd known earlier we could have had it aborted or my dad was like do you want to pass it off as your mom's like seriously that's that's what was going through their heads and um, I just I really struggled and I thought life was over and that continued on then after Ruben was born, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Ruben, Ruben comes along. <laughs> what, what happens in those next few months? How do people react to that? Did anything change? Did anything get better? Um, well, no. When I found out I was pregnant, like mm -hmm. people's reactions were just to either avoid me completely or say things like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And I would be like, I'm not dying. I'm just pregnant <laughs> and people just there was so much gossip about me and I would get horrible Facebook messages from people calling me all the names under the day under the sun <laughs> all the names under the day <laughs> I'm tired <laughs> always tired um, and then when he was born I because of what I feared people thought of me and the shame I just went, I just got really low. 
and struggled with my mental health and um, his dad just didn't, he just didn't want to be involved. And I think I took that on myself and I thought, oh, if this guy doesn't want to be involved in his own son's life, I must really be repulsive and I must just be the worst. And then I guess when I didn't really know how to cope, I would do things that didn't really help. So as soon as Ruben was old enough to leave him with my mom, I would go out at eight o'clock at night as soon as he went to bed and I would get so drunk and then I would just sleep with some guy and then come back in at six o'clock in the morning and try and be a mom. And it was such a vicious cycle. And you see teen moms and there's a stereotype and it's trackies and wasters and hanging outside the dual office. But I get it. Like, that could so easily be me. That was me. And it, it's just so hard. So you're, you're basically at the lowest moment probably of your life. Then, in some way, she performed Jesus comes along. Tell us about that. Well, so I said a lot of people rejected me and didn't want anything to do with me, but there was these two girls um, and I went to school with them. They weren't in the God Squad, but they were Christian. And they just really reached out to me and became like other mothers to Reuben. And it breaks my heart to say it, but they were mums to him when I wasn't a mum. And they would, we would just do everything together. We did every part of life. We did the grocery shopping together. Um, they would sit and babysit Reuben while I studied. They used to take him to church on Sunday morning so I could sleep. They even, they did everything they, from talk about God around me as if he was actually there, which just really freaked me out. And then on the other hand, they would pick glass out of my foot when I was hungover. And they just really showed me the love of God like I'd never seen it before. And they treated me like I actually had worth, like I was a human being. They were the first people to ever say congratulations to me. And it made me do a double take. And I was like, congratulations, this is a disaster. Do not congratulate me. And they just told me that like the worth that my son had and he was a human being and he was in God's plan and it rolled my eyes at the time. Um, but they just really showed me the gospel in action. And they showed me Jesus, but it wasn't the Jesus I thought I knew. It wasn't the Jesus I thought would judge me and didn't want anything to do with me. Um, but they showed me the Jesus who wants to know the lowest of the low and the broken and sits with the girl at the well and goes to the guy possessed with demons when everybody else avoided him and wants to know the teen mom and didn't see me as a teen mom. He didn't see me as a reckless, stupid girl like everybody else did. And through all of that, I just, I wanted to know him. just wanted to give him everything. And then how did that happen then? How did you come to Saving Faith? Well, it was a long, long, long time. But eventually I, I was at this meeting and it was like a cafe church kind of thing. And I remember I was going through a good spell at the time. So I sat like this the whole time. And I was like, oh, I don't, I just, I don't need this. 
I don't need to listen to this at all. And I couldn't tell you what the guy said that night at all. No offense to him. I'm sure he was great. But afterwards, my friend talked to me, and she just she just finally said it. She was so brave. She was just like, where are you at with this whole, with the God stuff? Where are you at? And I just said, um, I, I don't know. And then I told her that I couldn't even let people in, never mind let God in. And she asked if she could pray with me. And then before I knew it, God got me. And in that moment, I think, I just became so overwhelmed by my own sin and the cross just became so real to me and I realized that all of the sin and the shame and everything I'd done and God just took it and bore the weight of it and I just couldn't keep running from it anymore. Glorious. What changed then after that? Everything. Oh my word, where do you begin? Somewhere. Um... (laughs) 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 Um, I think one of the biggest things for me that's changed is probably how I am as a mom and because before I knew God to me Ruben to me getting pregnant was just a big accident that could have been prevented Ruben was an accident that could have been prevented but to realize that it was all in God's plan and that Ruben was in his plan and that I was, for some seriously strange reason, I was meant to be a mom. It made it all easier to cope. And whenever I'm at still my lowest spells, because it's still flipping hard, I know that God's got me. And I have this serious hope that Christ rose from the dead and I will I have risen with him and I'm no longer in that darkness anymore and it, it just it changes everything in how I live so team mum <laughs> loves to go out goes and studies theology what happens there well I didn't want to do theology um, the year <laughs> that year leading up to when I became a Christian I was applying for university because I was all like I'm a strong independent single mom I can do this I will prove everybody wrong and then I didn't get into uni again and Stramillist rejected me and flipping Stram I flipping hate Stram (laughs) I don't really I kind of do I do (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't ever meant to go to Stram imagine me at Stram (laughs) I'd probably go up on fire as I walk in. But um, (laughs) theology, yeah. Theology was the backup. And I didn't want to do theology. I didn't even know what it was. But I just got, I got an A in RE at school. So the Christian friends who obviously knew what they were doing, they were like, I'll just apply and see how it goes. So I did have this offer for theology. And I'd only been a Christian three months. And <laughs> found myself in Union College doing theology with my one-year-old at the crash across the street. <laughs> I remember sitting down with Stafford Carson at <laughs> break on the first day. And he was like, so, like, where are you from? What church do you go to? How did you end up here? And I remember telling him my whole story. And he was just like, oh, 
<laughs> As if he had no idea what to do with me. He's made a huge mistake. <laughs> yes. Because obviously, when, like, they let me in, they probably... I didn't write about Ruben on my... What's that thing you write when you're applying to uni? Who's doing UCAS? Who can tell us? Personal, Personal statement. Personal statement, great. Yeah. Um, so we ended up at Queen's doing theology, and it was amazing. Fantastic. It was incredible. And then that's led you to where you are now. So what are you, what are you doing at the minute? I'm a women's worker. So you work with women, but what's that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I've been there since June. Um, West Kirk Presbyterian is on the Shankill Road, and it's a predominant, it's, it's all working class, Prada area. Um, I work with the women in the church, discipling them, but mostly we have a West Kirk community project, which is just like our outreach and I would be there in the mornings at the drop-in and just engaging with the women there. Real. Um, Fantastic. Um, so looking back over your life, you've, you've had some of the hardest experiences people can really have in Northern Ireland, to, to, be, to be blunt. How can you see God use that in your life now? Well, it's funny, it's even this week I was talking to somebody, well, I was talking to a girl, um, and she's just like Shankle Road all over, so loud, so mouthy. The first time I met her, she said, I'm the gobby one. And I was like, <laughs> No, that's tell. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so then I started talking to her, and she said to me, you know, I've never met like a Christian who's like, like you. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you're like me, but you're holy. And I was like, wow, she's so right. I'm like, I'm like her, but I just know Jesus. And I was thinking that there's things about you that you don't understand why you are like that. And you, don't, you have those moments where you think, why am I like this? But then God uses it mm -hmm. to minister to other people and... I know after I became a Christian, I obviously wanted to shout from the rooftops, and I had um, other teen mom friends, and I just loved sharing the, my newfound hope with them, and I found that um, God has used my experience and all of it, and even the struggle with mental health and all of it, and he's used it for me to be able to share it with other people and share him. Yeah, that's unreal. Um, so you've been on both sides of the fence, right? You've been a non-Christian and a believer. Um, I guess my question is, is this. So people in this room, most of them are Christians. Some of them are not, let's be honest. But they see people living a life that you were living and... Honestly, if they're anything like me, they've you know, got judgmental attitudes. Or, I mean, I say things about people that I shouldn't. I have attitudes towards people who live not like you, know, not like me. How would you help us to see how, how to view other people who aren't yet believers? Um, well, so recently I met this, sorry, this is another story. Great. Met this guy, um, in our community project and he I was talking to him for ages and he was like telling me asking me how he could be nice he was a Christian 
and he was asking me how I could be nice to like his neighbor or something. And then he told me out of the blue that he'd done like 10 years in prison or something. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. And then he told me that he didn't serve the rest of his sentence. He got out early and I kind of thought, this guy's a murderer. Like, that's <laughs> not fair. He should still be in prison. Um, but he, like, then I realized that he shouldn't still be in prison because, you know, Jesus served the sentence for him. And I realized that I had seen him with just the same way we look at everybody else. And um, I was talking to my minister afterwards, and I was, like, so raging at myself. <laughs> and he said... Um, you have to look at people like lost sheep, harassed and helpless. And I thought to myself, how many times have I thought, oh, why is she doing that? Or, oh, that's so frustrating. I just want them to stop it. And I just want, but it's not about getting them to stop it. It's about getting them to see the beauty of knowing Jesus and giving their life to him. And not seeing them as wild, crazy girls who are loud and mouthy, but seeing them as harassed sheep who are lost and helpless. That's fantastic. Uh, for the record, I still see you as a wild, crazy girl who's loud and mouthy, but um, one who loves Jesus. <laughs> this is great. Um, sometimes, w- as we live the Christian life, right, we know we got to pray, we know we got to read the Bible, and we make excuses all the time. I make excuses all the time. I'm too busy. I'm sure you're the same, right? And, and you've got a four-year-old. What practical steps can you take, or do you take, to help you get into God's Word, spend time in prayer? Practical steps. Yeah. Um, it's funny you ask that because last night I was, last night I was, I'd missed my quiet time. I normally do it in the morning because by like four o'clock I'm dead. <laughs> but um, last night I had sat down to try and do something spend some time with God and I just really didn't want to and if I realized that it is a battle and I just needed to do it um so I understand like sometimes it's so hard and it's the last thing you want to do but I think practically for me um probably accountability and just even having somebody who will check in and make sure that you're doing it um, because it's not the doing it that is going to bring us closer to God, but the reality is, if we don't keep doing it, then we're not going to. His grace isn't going to work in our lives. Yeah. Um, and well, as a mom, it's never really this perfect little quiet time set aside with like the Instagram journal and a coffee right here and the sun's rising. And there's a really cute little quote underneath. You know those ones? Yeah. Sick of it. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I bet I've just offended so many people. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> like, the other day, my quiet, t- my quiet time was in the car, and Ruben had just conked out. And I had just, like, had the craziest road rage, and the whole day had been a disaster. And... I just sat there and read my Bible in the car and it's always so messy, but I think just to do it, even if it's just one verse a day, if it's just one prayer, um, 
like before I came here, I was ringing my friend on the phone and I was like, I'm having the worst day. I don't know what to wear. Um, I'm just so stressed. There's this whole thing happening at church tomorrow. I just, I just don't even, I don't even want to go tonight. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, you probably should just pray. And I was like, seriously. And then I prayed. And that's what, that's just what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I needed a perspective change. So I just needed to do it. Just do it. I think that's the best advice <laughs> you can give, genuinely. No, but seriously, <laughs> like, you could put all these things in place to make sure that you do it. Just flip and do it. Just flip and do it. <laughs> What's your one piece of advice to someone here who doesn't yet know Jesus? Advice? What would you say to them? No one. Um, to someone who doesn't know Jesus, I would say that knowing him and growing in my relationship with him has been the most exciting adventure and knowing him he just growing into my relationship with him just gets more beautiful every day and he just changes everything and it's safe to say like your life is not easy it's not tidy <laughs> it sucks but it's, it's so hard but it's worth it so worth it sometimes I don't know if it's, <laughs> <worth> it. <laughs> um, it's so hard yeah but I God is so sovereign and his grace just abounds and like at the minute Ruben's going through the hardest of okay, every stage is the hardest stage there's ever been but He's really struggling at the minute emotionally, which Mm -hmm. is weird to say for a four-year-old. But there's been a lot of change, and he's very violent at home, and it's just me. It's just me all the time. And sometimes he'll punch me and bite me and kick me. And the other night, me and him just sat, and we sobbed together. And (laughs) it's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being serious now. (laughs) And... Like, I just, I cried out to God. Like, I, I just cried. It's like, why? Why is this my life? Why is this the story that you've chosen for me? But I know why. I know it's, you know, then I meet guards like Chantel on the Shankle Road who tells me that because I'm real about my experiences, she can see that God is real. And when I cry out, there's, there's just so much grace. Like the next day, Ruben sat with me and he did say he was sorry. But when I walked out of his room, I heard him pray. Like moments like that, just, they just make me love Jesus even more. That's class. What are your, what are your plans for this year? What are, I guess, Ruben's plans for this year? And how can we (laughs) at CE pray for you? Well, Ruben just started P1 and he hates it and he like he is really struggling he came home the other day and asked me why i didn't have a dad and um it's very easy for me to know that god is the father to the fatherless but a four-year-old just does not get it obviously Mm -hmm. um and with the whole behavioral thing would really appreciate prayer for that and obviously in my role um at west kirk um i've met so many women 
that are so close to becoming Christ Christians and I, the harvest is ripe and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be there and to have the funding to be in that role but I have no idea what I'm doing and it won't be me that saves them it's all God so pray for that um, yeah that's great let's pray for Rebecca Father, we thank you so much for Rebecca Finley. We thank you so much for the personality that you have given to her, the story that you have written for her, for the impact that you are making in and through her in so many lives, both in, the, in cycle and elsewhere. Lord, would you continue to give her the grace that she needs to get through each day to be a, a mum to Reuben, to be a, a woman's worker in the Shankill, to be a follower of you. Father, would you sustain her? Would you help her to rest in you, you alone? Lord, we thank you for Reuben. We thank you that he is not a, a mistake or an accident, that he is a vital part of Rebecca coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And that his life has had an impact on so many others. Lord, as he struggles with emotions and questions that will probably go with him the rest of his life. Lord, we pray that he would grow up to know you because of his mother and her faith. Father, be with him in school as he doesn't know how to express himself. Be with him at home. As he doesn't know how to express himself, would you help him? find his rest in you. Would, would he grow up to be a man who loves Jesus Christ? Father, we thank you so much that we can hear about your work in Rebecca and would you continue to work in and through her for the rest of her days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.